Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. Welcome in. You found the World Travel Dad Show. On today's show, I'm talking about Dalian, Turkey, on the west coast of Turkey. We will be talking about the runoff Turkish election briefly, because today is election day. We'll be talking about Turkish haircuts, more about Turkish food, and what to see and do in Dalian, Turkey. I know it's on the radar for many Europeans and British. Uh, If you're American and you plan to be in Turkey, it's a city that I would consider. And hopefully this episode is helpful for you in planning your trip and what to do when you're here and how long to stay. So thanks so much for joining us. After spending two weeks in Dacia, Turkey, on the Dacia Peninsula, our family packed up the rental car. And we drove down the coast in a a rainstorm. It hadn't rained for two weeks. And then on the day we left Dacia, which is a beautiful little beach town, uh, we finally got a lot of rain. And so we thought that was fitting. And we were fine with that because we were in the car. We stopped along the way at a strip mall in Marmaris. Marmaris is a nice town too. I, I spent a little bit of time there. And we moved through onto the highway to drive down the coast and the turnoff to Dalian I initially missed the turnoff it's kind of understated there's just a little kind of brown sign and it started to get we started to see more vegetation started to get a little bit more jungly you know the Dacha Peninsula is very kind of windblown desolate you know think Crete, think of the island of Crete, if you're familiar with that. Think Rhodes, that's another Greek island that you can see from the shore here in Turkey. And uh, it's kind of desolate out there. But as you come inland, it, it, it gets a little more tropical. You certainly see palm trees, which I have nothing but love and respect for palm trees. If you ever have occasion to see a palm tree... It just, it does something to your psyche. It has a psychological calming effect. It's, it has beneficial health effects for me just, just looking at them. I can't explain it other than that. I, I just love palm trees. And living in Colorado, I, I, I call it palm tree deficiency syndrome. And I, I was suffering from quite a bad case of that. So for a for Midland, Middle of America folks, you know, Mexico is a good cure for palm tree deficiency. But now that we're in Turkey, I'm happy to see them. So we turn off, we come into Dalian. And the next thing we notice is that everyone's a gringo. Everyone's an older gringo. And they all have a British accent. So what the heck's going on? Because this is not the, this is not Dacha. I can tell that right away. I guess... 
I had sort of presumed uh, homogeneity, if you will, of uh, these beach towns. I thought everything was going to be like Dacha. And now looking back, Dacha was pretty, was a, a fairly legitimately Turkish town where locals kind of mingled with tourists and where we seldom, if ever, heard English spoken. I mean, we just didn't hear it. And sometimes I like that. But sometimes it gets a little bit lonely. I mean, I'm not, I'll admit it. You know, you're um, certainly in Dacha, you're not going to draw any strange looks for being a Westerner. That in Denizil, you did. That was the town we went inland. And I'm sure if you explored more of Turkey, you'd you'd stick out a bit more. But not in Dacha. But certainly when you get to Dalian, everyone you know has this British accent. They're all kind of old. Um. And so that w- that was our initial feeling is w- what have we walked into? So it turns out it's just it's kind of like the old British person, you know, place to vacation. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's it's completely different. It's a smaller town. Uh, the the natural kind of beauty is is the draw. I'll I'll talk about that here momentarily. I think when you get to a place like uh, maybe like in a, a Majorca or something. I've never been there. We're going there next month. But one of these places where British people have an easy shot on an airplane. Not to say that Dalian's that easy. I think you probably could get to um, Dalaman Airport, which is about an hour from here. That's probably where you fly in. And But when British can kind of overrun a place, it kind of gives Americans a little bit of cover because... We're suddenly not not quite the bad guys. Not that people are anti-British here, but they kind of, you know, they they lead the way and they kind of pioneer a place. And then, you know, Americans can kind of sneak in quietly in the back door and let the British people kind of take any ire that might exist and let them kind of shape a place. So the the this whole town, my wife and I were joking. It's it's sort of like built for British tourists. And there's you know pubs, and everybody speaks English, and it, it it's kind of cool, you know. It, so we we said, look, we're gonna be here for a week. If you can't beat them, join them. Let's just you know kind of pretend we're on a vacation. I mean that that's what we're gonna have to do. This is not we're not gonna get the uh, cultural immersive experience that we had been getting in Dacha. So that's what we've that's what we've done. So then the key question is. How much time should you allot? And I've had people reach out um, who listen to the podcast, which I can't thank you enough for, for listening to it. And uh, they've asked me, you know, how much time should I spend in this place? And what, you know, what, uh, how about this little leg of the itinerary here? And by the way, I love the, I love the questions. I mean, I could, I could talk about that stuff all day. I could, I could help plan playing y'all's trips no problem there but um it all depends on how much time you have it's not, it's something that you can't really answer in a vacuum you know we had two months in turkey so we allotted one week to dalian and that turned out to be great because there is a there are a lot of day trips that you can do out of dalian but if you're if you're only like two weeks in turkey and a little quicker run you could 
you could plop down about three days here. You, you could see, you could do the the necessary day trips in about two, two, three nights, two days, or four nights, kind of at the max. The downtown, you know, there's some nooks and crannies, but it's small. You kind of see it in the first day. Just got a little central area. Um, it's right on a river. We'll definitely talk about that here momentarily. And you can uh, you can kind of hit hit any of the decent restaurants. There's nothing outstanding. You know, um, there's some fun little restaurants. There aren't the cheap eateries like there were in Dacha, and that's because Dacha catered to more of kind of regular Turkish people, and so you had to have cheap eateries. You know, this whole thing with the exploding cost of living, you know, it really has forced out locals from any of these establishments. These are all English-speaking tourists who don't care. You know, if you're, if you're using the British pound and even the dollar, you are you don't care that much um, about the exploding prices. I mean, I do because... You know, I'm a penny pincher, and I'm on a 14-month trip, so that's all I ever talk about. But I'm not the norm here. You know, the norm is somebody that's on a six-week trip from whatever job you do in England these days, and uh, maybe they're retired. They sure look retired. Boy, those days are over, by the way. You know, retiring in your your 60s and just kind of dumping around the world. I mean, that's over for Western powers. I'm calling it. It's not going to, that's not going to work anymore. You know, fixed income, pensioner stuff. First of all, most of the pensions in the U.S. are broke. I mean, they're literally in, all the money's dumped into these assets that don't, you know, either the assets don't return, they they don't offer any kind of reasonable return that, that covers people that retire when they're 64 and, you know, live till 90. You know, think about, 30 years of benefit payments so it's the uh it's the upside down pyramid you have to you pyramid a pyramid scheme requires a bottom-up pyramid so that you're you know you're able to feed the top people with a an abundance of people on the bottom of the pyramid but now it's it's upside down everyone wants to retire nobody wants to pay in anymore and then these pensions you know the u.s government they they steer pension funds into, like, let's talk about the the uh, treasury bonds, you know, the U.S. treasury bonds. And once those interest rates started going up, which the Fed didn't think they were going to have to do, but then all of a sudden they said, whoops, guess we have to do it. Well, all the, the bond market collapsed. All those assets on the... Uh, on the books of these pensions and banks, you know, they go belly up. And so you have failing banks, you're going to have failing pensions, you have bankrupt pensions. And so I hope that the people that I see are really enjoying it. Cause this is the, this is the last time that these Western powers are going to be able to walk around, you know, like we own the place. I think there's a complete shift. I think emerging markets are going to go up the rung Developing markets are, are going to become developed and fully developed world power legacy entrenched nations are going to have to come down a notch. The standard of living we've enjoyed for so long 
it has to come down. Something has to give. Um, so, but for the time being, Valiant's the place to be for, for retirees. We, um, we stayed at a nice hotel. It's fine. Um, again, it, you know, it's not, it's not cheap in Turkey. I think that the, this idea that it was cheap, boy, I missed on that one. It's, it's European pricing folks. So we'll get to that in a minute. Believe me, I'll, I'll keep talking about it. My family doesn't want to hear it anymore, so you guys get to hear it. The uh, hotel's fine. Uh, it's not, not Southeast Asia pricing. Boy, do I miss Southeast Asia pricing. Don't miss the bugs. But part of me thinks, I can do with a few, few more cockroaches and mosquitoes. Because those prices were great. Uh, so what do you do here? Um, what exactly do you do here in Dalian? We, we took a day trip on a boat. Family of four. It was 100 USD. It left at 10 a.m. promptly. That was sweet. You know, just getting on the boat and just going. I love that. You know, part of the problem with these day trips, you, you're standing around, you're getting hustled around, you're filling out paperwork, you're, you're, then you're standing in another line, then you get on another boat to shuttle you to another boat. And that's kind of, if you listen to the Bali episodes, that's what happened to us at Nusa Penita. Now, the snorkeling at Nusa Penita in, in Bali was unreal. I mean, it was some of the best I've ever seen. Man, to get it to get it going, you know, was such agony. But here, you know, you just hop on the boat, and uh, you know, they, there's no there's no marketing. This isn't very this isn't always a very capitalist thing here. You know, they have a bar set up, but nobody knows the prices uh, for the beers and stuff. So nobody even like gets a drink. We are all kind of like afraid of like sticker shock, and like half the half the boat is kind of family, so they're not drinking either. And I was fine with that. Um, I don't need a beer, you know, before noon. I don't start shaking or anything. And so we, you know, headed out and they take you around the coast a little bit to some, some coves. And that was great. You know, we had, we had invested in some decent snorkels, some, um, tempered glass, uh, masks for, and snorkels for the kids and, my daughter bought a pair of micro fins for out of her allowance. She never spends any money. She's had a had a complete stockpile of allowance money sitting there. And so 28 euros later, she's got a sweet pair of micro fins. And I'm so proud of her because that was such a veteran move. Just delayed gratification. Don't get caught up with all the crummy little things along the way and then make a make a sweet purchase. Um, uh, some micros and so she's they're they're both legit fitted now the kids and so we get to the first stop it's blue water it's it's in this cove you, you get the open ocean to your left you have to your right this you know cool little rock structure and so we we'd hop right in uh, you know everyone else in the boat's kind of scratching their head you know what do we do what do what, what we do now and we're just like cannonball off the back uh my my wife got a picture of me cannonballing i definitely don't look good swimming i feel good i feel like i'm 
doing a really good job out there, and, and it's just not the case, apparently. Um, so that day trip, uh, oh, and they feed you lunch. The next spot, you know, they, he did like a barbecue kind of lunch thing, um, grilled on the back of the boat, and that was that was fun. Um, and at each stop, you can just get out and leisurely kind of do your swim. I, of course, am working on the, the freestyle. Never been better at freestyle. I have a, I got a $10 pair of slightly lower quality, but they're these like Euro style Terminator goggles. They're not the little tiny ones that just go around your eye. Like mine are wrap around like full Terminator goggles. And so I kind of, you know, I look like I'm serious about, about the sport and every stop I'm, I'm freestyling, you know, way out there making sure people see how far out I went, that I'm coming back. On the way back, the big draw around this area is the turtle beach. There are these leatherback turtles that come and nest here. They lay their eggs in spring, which is right now, and so they're, they're kind of coming back in, and they drop you off at this beach called Turtle Beach. Turtle Beach is just kind of like a little muddy part where the river meets the ocean, and it's, it's fine. I mean, they, they put out some sunbeds. And if, if that's your thing, if you want to do Turtle Beach, um, that's great. You know, you knock yourself out. It's not really my thing. Um, let me give you a pro tip here. You can take the public boat um, from Dalian Dock. It's a lot cheaper than a tour. And you can take that out to Turtle Beach and back. And so the first one leaves at 10 a.m. and then every hour after that. And then when you get there, you'll see... It's every hour coming back. So that's a sweet pro tip if you want to do a little more of a, you want to save a little money. I mean, if you're here for two weeks and, and it's just, I'm on a Turkish vacation, I don't know if you need to mess around with too much public transportation. That's really more for you world school or travel, travel types, you hippie types. And so we came back from that. Um, if you have a, if you have a car, you can go up to the Sultanea mud baths. It's these kind of ancient mud baths. It's it's kind of raining today. I think we might actually do that again. And that was a total value bomb. You take a little uh, car ferry about five kilometers north of here. Not even five. It's like three kilometers. I mean, I jogged up to the ferry the other day. And you take the little car ferry across. It's a few bucks each way. And then you drive over to the town of Sultanea and you just, you pay 20 lira, which is about a dollar for each person to go into these baths. And they have uh, the mud pit that you swim in and you put the mud on your body and then you let it dry and it tightens your skin. You let it dry in the sun if there is any. And then you go wash it off. Um, there's a freshwater lake right there that's met, supposed to have healing powers. I even read somewhere that you're supposed to drink it. Um, I might do that. I mean, why would they? Why would that be some age-old tradition of people who are like getting sick? So I might drink a little bit, and then you hop in these hot water springs. There's there's covered. There's the covered springs, and then there's the the open one, the Cleopatra style one, which it, from prior episodes you know what a Cleopatra Cleopatra pool is. So that's a total value bomb. You can actually do that without a car. But I do think you need to get some type of boat transport up there 
And for the entire day, it's probably only about 40 USD for your whole family. The boat, the guy takes you up to the facility, drops you off there. There's a little snack bar. Uh, beers are like 350, I think. Uh, so that's the important information. Some ice cream for the kids. Maybe more than just like ice cream too. Maybe grilled cheeses or something. So you can do it without a car. I think Turkey looks to me like a good place to have a car. Just to kind of have a little bit more flexibility. We then had a day where we just swam at the pool. It was really hot. That was fun. It's fun to have a pool day. We have a tiny pool, but the kids made it work with their new snorkeling gear. They're just kind of messing around with it. You know, I, I get in from time to time. And that's been pretty much it. Yesterday we did go to a, a, a cove beach around uh, 25, 30 minutes away. And you kind of go over the mountain on this dirt road. Um, you have to follow, you should follow my wife's Instagram account. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes if I can remember. Because that's where you can find out some of these spots. I don't remember the name of this beach. There are a lot of different options if you just have a free beach day and a car. And I think it's a good idea to check out. These cove beaches are really nice. Um, usually the water is pretty clear. The water, the visibility wasn't great over at this area, but we did have a good time chasing around some schools of mackerel. That was kind of the snorkeling experience. There's like a rope and we went over the rope into the, the kind of deeper part of the ocean. The kids got a kick out of that. They're, they're becoming good swimmers, so we're kind of, we feel good about our ability to, you know, ignore some of these, these silly rules that are set up. We'll be right back. Hi, this is the World Travel Dad. I'm so happy that you listened to this podcast, and I hope you're really enjoying it. Do you remember when I used to do the headlines at the beginning of the show? Well, I turned that headlines segment into a separate show, so I removed them from the travel show. Now it's a separate show called the World Travel Headlines Show, and it would be terrific if you would check that out. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for this little short show, and if you could just click on that link and take a look at it even if you don't listen to it like immediately i'll understand but maybe at some point you will and even if you're a bot you know all are welcome so thanks for uh checking it out let's get back to this thing i'm calling a show So I wanted to do an update on the uh, foreign currency trading. I was talking about that months ago. I got excited about it. I was using the wise card and I was telling everyone to use the wise card. It's a good card. It has a lot of utility. Like I say in the commercial, we had used it in Bali when we had to wire money to the Wood School, which is a great school. Go If you go back and listen to the Ubud episode i talk about some of the schools and if you're going to be in the area it's a it's a good thing to check out um we knew we saw some people that were like full-time wood schoolers i mean 
those kids are going to be fascinating when they grow up. But we were just kind of drop-in kids. And the only way I could pay them, they don't take credit card, but I could wire money using this Wise card. So it's great. And this is a lot of utility. There's some fees involved, though, if you're, if you're pulling money out of the ATMs. And that's been a little frustrating. You kind of, if you make any money on some of your purchases, you kind of give some of it back. But I was making some bigger purchases. And so... Um, I like, for instance, with the Euro, um, I did a, a big purchase a while back, you know, cause I was, wa- I'm watching the, um, watching the exchange rate and the dollar was great a while back and I predicted a, a dollar top and sure enough, I hit, I hit it. I hit the dollar top. I've never done that before. I dollar cost averaged it. My first purchase wasn't at the top, but my final Euro purchase few thousand euros was at at the top and i think it was more like four thousand euros and we we ended up using a lot of those euros when we were in italy so that entire trade i kind of priced it out um including you know a little bit of fees here and there probably made about 650 dollars and that's when you're when you're kind of doing the world schooling thing 650 dollars is gold you know and i I lost 400 on the train purchase in Paris. You know, you kind of keep this loose running total and anywhere you can make a big score like that. Pretty happy with yourself. Um, but we're, but we're in Istanbul back in October and I, I started buying some Lira cause I'm looking at the Lira dollar and, and the dollar's kind of very resilient. Um, kind of, it's still it's still beating the lira, and so at the same time, I it was beating the euro, and it's on the same trajectory. I mean, if you looked at a chart, it's probably doing similar stuff. The chart direction is the same with the lira, but what I didn't, what I failed to recognize was that not all currencies are the same. First of all, obviously, and whenever you're looking at currency relative strength, it has to be in relation to some other currency, and so. I'm looking at the dollar just in general, thinking that's it, you know, ring the bell, it's the top of the dollar and, and we're going back down. So I made a big purchase of Turkish lira. And boy was I wrong on that one because I probably lost seven hundred dollars on that trade. Now now looking back, we can actually see, you know, when the you can see who's swimming without clothes when the when the tide goes out and we can see my trade was poor and I gave back all that money on the Euro, gave it back in the Lira trade and I'm back to even, we'll call it even, I probably lost a hundred bucks. So that was my, that was, that was my lesson in currency trading. And so what's the lesson? The lesson is some of these fringe currencies, you need to watch them more closely. You need to recognize there are different dynamics at play and the dynamics between the dollar, euro, pound are are a lot more static, fixed dynamics. They're easier to ascertain. And the dynamics with some of these fringe currencies, like a lira, like a Vietnamese dong, you, know, you just you got to be careful. And so I'm kicking myself on that one, really kicking myself because the and it's a it's a matter of percentages. It's it's these kind of ratios. You know, the dollar isn't just barely up since October. It's really up against the Lira. It's way up. And and then you get down to Turkey, and it's kind of a kick in the pants because there's a difference between 
value of currency and cost of living inflationary pressures. And current Turkey has both, so they have inflationary pressures. And so what the shopkeepers do is they just adjust their prices accordingly. There, there aren't a lot of deals to be had. They just up the pricing. It's all market forces. Um, I had some friends that were saying, you know, with the dollar so strong down there, we're going to kill it. And I, they hadn't gotten here yet. And I said, not so fast. Not so fast. You're going to find that the prices are, you know, basically the same, pr- proportionately the same. They've, you know, as they would have been if the lira were lower. They just raised the number of lira it takes. So it's not about the value of the lira. It's about you know, the value of the USD underlying price. It reminds me of how Mexico does it. You know, I, I stopped looking at the Mexico peso exchange rate. It's worthless. If you're going to go to a tourist place, you're, you're they're just charging the dollar price. They're finding out the value. They're charging the dollar price. And by the way, that USD price, that's going up worldwide too because of global inflation, which is really frustrating. And we need to we need to all learn about this stuff and make sure that these central banks can't just get away with all this. So if you if you want to learn more about that, you know, I can recommend some podcasts of what I've been listening to. Certainly don't I'm no economist. I'm an armchair, you know, macroeconomics enthusiast here. So definitely kicking myself on the Lira trade. Uh, I still have some euros left. I'm going to dump those in Spain. Can't wait till, till Spain, but let's, uh, let's stay focused here. We're in Turkey for another month. This is World Travel Dad. Let's face it. When I'm on the road, I get ripped off a lot, and I'm constantly making a fool of myself. But I'd like to share those moments with you because maybe it'll help you avoid a similar fate, or maybe you can just make fun of me. Haircut alert. Haircut alert. This is one of the many haircuts I've, I've, I've gotten on the road. I, I got one here in Turkey, finally. First time in this country. It's so funny. My hair grows pretty quickly, so haircuts become kind of a major consideration, unfortunately. Will, I guess, or fortunately. I think some people probably would rather have to get their haircut. They're, like, begging for a haircut. I don't know. Um, for me, it's something I have to factor in and I never know where I'm going to be. So I'm, I'm here in Dalian, met a nice guy named uh, Solomon and his shop was, it was hopping. So I thought these people must know something. They were all English speaking in there. Um, maybe we don't know anything. It's maybe just close to something. And he had all his, he had his sons working in there. It looked like, but Solomon, he appeared to be the big dog. He had hands of, of lightning. His hands were like, couple of butter a couple of like uh you know moths gigantic birdwing butterflies just kind of floating above the hair and this guy looked like he knew what he was doing so i timed it out i kind of looked you know the kids the kids are slow here's one thing i will say i don't like getting my hair cut by a kid because they're just too slow they don't have the confidence they don't want to make a mistake look i was a kid once too and i totally get it but when you get your haircut, you need the veteran, the guy that's been through the battles, you know, the guy with the steady hand. I don't care if he's got a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, you know, 
an eye patch. I don't care, but he's been through the wars. And so it just, I got lucky and it timed out perfectly that Solomon's done. And, uh, and I got to sit down while his boys are still working on some of the other kids. I think he matched up some of his boys with some other boys that needed haircuts. And so that, that was good. You know, I like to think he was, he was saving the big guns for, for somebody like me. Um, and so my hair was getting out of control. And so he, he did a pretty good job. I mean, my hair is pretty tough. I kind of look like Simon Cowell a little bit. Remember from American Idol? Uh, but that's all right. Because for me, if you do a good, if you do a good fade on the razor these days with my hair, then I can deal with the other part. I can look kind of weird for a while. You know, I don't mind looking like Pat Sajak for a bit, but you, you, I need a good fade. And if you mess the fade up, I got some problems. My head, it's kind of shaped like a dinosaur a little bit. And, you know, I, I start looking like a brontosaurus. And so I've been very clear. I point, I put my finger like right up to where the line should go on the, on the razor. And it's working. It's a strategy that's worked now a couple of times. It worked back in Czech Republic. Uh, Solomon, had, he spoke a lot of English. So that was kind of fun. He, he wants to visit America at some point. By the way, if you tell somebody in Turkey you're from the USA, they don't know what you're talking about. That's not, they don't say US, USA. That, that you have to say America. It's kind of old school here. It's like America. Um, so he did a good job. And then one fun thing about Turkey is they do the fire on your face. I highly recommend that. That's one of those, you just have to do it. Don't, don't wuss out. You're gonna be fine. It, it does, it feels, there's a little bit of pain when he like rubs the fire over your face, but it's so cool. And so he just singed off all these like weird pieces of hair I had developed from just being old. And uh, highly recommend that. So fun haircut experience. I want to personally thank you for listening to this show. Without you, the audience, I wouldn't even be able to do this. Now, I wanted to ask you to do me one personal favor. If you could go to the show notes on your smartphone, if you could hit subscribe and give me a five-star review, I would love that. Unfortunately, a three or a four-star review, though honest, doesn't really help. And if you were going to give me a one or a two-star review, you're obviously a depraved individual, and may God have mercy on your soul.